been one of my heroes. Um, and as well, what is interesting with Heidi Becker is she serves the nation of Mozambique uh, right now. And uh, in Mozambique, you know, they speak Portuguese. And they actually um, call her Mama Haida. So that's her name. So I thought that was interesting for Mother's Day to talk about somebody who actually effectively became the mother of a nation. And uh, I, I hope you will find it in inspiring. And I think uh, you will see in her, in her, in her life, just, just looking at her life and the, the lesson you know she you can learn I think they apply both for everyone here just not just not for women so don't worry if you're a man you would have plenty uh, to learn from Heidi Becker so let me give you a little bit so actually uh, that's a couple of pictures this is Heidi Becker uh, under uh, under there there's Roland the husband and the two kids Eliza and Christine and that's her with all her kids they, she called her kids <coughs> her adopted kids so I thought you would like to see the face for some maybe not know, know her. So but let me give you a little bit of life background for Heidi Becker. Uh, well, she was born, uh, Heidi Farrell, and she was born in Newport Beach, California in 1959. So she's really very much a uh, contemporary of us. So from quite an affluent ba background, a very artistic environment, her mum is actually an opera singer. And her dad uh, was a businessman, but was quite artistic as well. What's interesting about her is her family is not at all Christian. I think dad has a vague uh, Catholic uh, inherit inheritance. And her mom, uh, I think her family comes from an Episcopalian heritage. If you know that, it's quite a traditional church in America. What is interesting is age five or six, she got really severely, severely ill. Uh, she actually had uh, an inflammation of the brain that she contracted after chickenpox, which really uh, ended up in a hospital, like almost near to death. And her mom, at that point, prayed to God. She said, if you save my, my daughter, she will be yours entirely. She never told Heidi she prayed that in the hospital. It's only later on when she was much more like in adult life that she told her daughter, actually, that she had made that prayer. And she was still not a Christian. So Heidi uh, grew up, and <laughs> mom and dad were still not a Christian, despite the miracle that Heidi got healed at the hospital. Uh, so Heidi grew up, and actually she's struggling with a couple of things, like severe, severe dyslexia. Um, she cannot learn in traditional school environment. They have to design way and method uh, by which she can learn, so I encourage you parents, if you have children who have problems, you know, uh, don't worry, God is on their case. Uh, and basically, she really struggled, uh, and although she struggled, she was actually tested as a genius, <coughs> you know? So there's a funny thing there. And she really had to battle through learning, but later on, she still managed to get uh, a bachelor and a master degree in art, and later on, I will talk about it later, at 36 she actually uh, got a PhD uh, in systematic uh, theology from, from London, King's College. So studying was really hard for her. Now occasionally, very occasionally, Heidi would go to church and there's a particular incident when she was 13. She went to a, a church, very traditional Episcopalian church. And she took the communion, and as she was taking the communion, the Holy Spirit knocked her down. And the priest was like, oh, he didn't know what to say, but he, he said to her, I've heard, 
I've heard that can happen. Okay? So, age 13, that's what happened to her. Uh, and she carries on her life, still not Christian, uh, and she's quite somehow she's drawn to the poor, or, or almost. I mean, it's funny because she's really in this privileged background, but she's kind of drawn to the poor. And after studying, hear that, it's funny. After studying ballet in Switzerland at 16 and 17, so you could see the kind of family she had come from, uh, she comes back and she says, no, I really want to serve the poor. So she signed up for a program uh, helping uh, the Native American uh, in, in a reserve somewhere in Mississippi. So she goes there and she helps. Uh, she's part of a program and she's there. While she's there, there is a revival meeting and a preacher comes and preaches the gospel. And it totally, totally blew her mind as she gives her life to Christ. That's the 12th of March, 1976. She's then around 17 years of age. And she let her recall, this is really funny, the, she said, oh, the preacher thought he really had a bomb night because there was only one person who answered the outer call, and it was Heidi Baker. <laughs> now, because of her experience, remember when she was 13, she was knocked down, you know, in, in the Holy Spirit. Because of that experience, she remember, and immediately, giving her life to Christ on the 12th of March, she said, I must find a Pentecostal church, because there's no way I can survive this life as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. So she's after the Holy Spirit. So she goes to a Pentecost church, and because she's so hungry, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit straight away. Okay, that's the next day, the 13th March. Thirteenth uh, of March. Sorry, I don't do that very well. Um, and um, immediately she gets this really amazing encounter with God, saying to her, "You know, get get ready because you will be sent to England and Africa and Asia." So she's like, "Oh, okay." She returns home. So age still very young, seventeen, eighteen. Um, completely changed. She was really on track to become a dancer. They were going to send her to New York. She was going to study dance, and she was actually, at that moment, I think she had as well signed like a modeling contract for something. Uh, but she said, she tells the parents, this is really not for me, I, I need to get ready, I, I have a missionary call for in my, on my life. So the parents are going to be like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, because they're not Christian, so they kind of find that really hard. So she goes to university, and she studies a little bit, and... Uh, she incidentally, she had to broke up a first serious relationship because she realized, although this young man was really nice, he was not going in the same place and she was absolutely convinced that God would send her to England, Asia, Africa. So, uh, at the same time, she obviously de developed her faith and in 1980, she meets Roland Becker and Roland is actually from a, a, a missionary background family. Uh, and funnily enough, Roland's mom had um, taught Heidi in high school, which was really weird. So uh, a connection is made there, and actually very quickly they marry, and we know later on they will have two children, Eliza and Christine. So uh, they, the children are now in their 30s. Together they founded uh, a really huge charity called uh, Aris Global, and really their mission is to help and evangelize the poor all over the world. Okay, now, let me give you a little bit more about her journey. But the first thing, really, that character, characterizes her journey is you're going to see it's a missionary journey who is actually full of struggle and suffering for Christ. So, I'm in 1980, writing the story, and, of course, she didn't choose an easy path because two months after they get married, 
they live for Indonesia. And that's how she described her life. She said, up to lunch once, and then we were married, and I was on a plane to Indonesia with a man I didn't really know, with a one-way ticket and $30 in my pocket. Okay, you have to be gutsy to do that, I think. So here is Heidi brought up in this perfect South California family, you know, hear the beach boy in your head. Okay, whatever. Uh, you know, she, she, she was brought up in this beach fronted, you know, house. She had ballet lessons, theater, surfing. Imagine the lifestyle destined to a bright future and she chose to serve God. Um, and literally on a plane to Indonesia and really I could, I could talk an hour on how much the suffering was great in this, in this life uh, in that time of life for, for Heidi uh, you know and it's true that at the beginning they were very much old fashioned missionary you know like we would endure you know the, the model is Mother Teresa right you're gonna you know die for Christ and you know there was a lot of I mean since since we would see there, adjusted and they understood that, you know, you need rest and, and etc. But it was really hardcore missionary kind of thing. And they made huge sacrifice. They experienced extreme poverty, starvation. Several times they had to go back to their home country, literally looking like failure. So they would go to Indonesia, it didn't work out, they come back, they run out of money, they come back. You know, and they go back and forward like that. Many trips they do, they do Indonesia, and then they take a team a couple of times to China, then they went to the Philippines, and they went back to Indonesia, and then they do three years in Hong Kong to work with Jackie Pulinger. In the midst of all of that, they raised their two young children, literally in the slum, you know, living mostly in one room with not uh, cold water, uh, with cold water, with no electricity, literally eating a poor mind di diet, you know, raised up on bananas, some beans and rice. Okay, that's literally what they, they, are, they are in. In a very, very dangerous place, you know, in Hong Kong, it was pretty much surrounded by gangs and prostitutes. Uh, and in Mozambique, later on, it would be really pretty much in a war zone at, at first. So uh, Haji was as well in the midst of that, se severely ill. Okay, she struggled. She struggled for years and years with chronic fatigue syndrome, debilitating pain. Really, like I would say, for eleven years she suffered greatly, and I think it never carried on. We will see later on. Uh, but she says, through all of this, uh, the lesson I've learned is to depend on God. And as well, to come to those places not with a colonial mindset, yes. saying, I've got things to give, but actually, no, actually, I'm coming with this place of weakness, and I need you too. Yeah. I need you too. And it was very important for her, the way she, she wanted to be interdependent with the people, you know, in the way she was bringing the love of God. So after 11 years of struggle, uh, they moved to London. Because they knew that part of the calling, God is calling them to England. And as well, uh, they, they found that they wanted to, to study more the Bible. And they had up doing, uh, well, she had up, and Laura did other study as well, to, to do a theology degree for four years. So she comes to London and study and receive, she's the first woman receiving a PhD from Keith's College London. Not bad for a dyslexic kid, right? Okay, and she's now 36, okay? And 
funnily enough, even in London, they're looking for the homeless and bless the homeless are they living in London and found the poor, <coughs> wherever they live. Now, in 95, so after four years, they finally moved to Mozambique uh, in several stages. It would be too long to explain. But uh, when uh, uh, Heidi and Roland moved there, uh, they looked for the needs, and suddenly in this place, uh, they, they see 80 kids, who, literally the orphanage has closed because the government can't look after their the orphanage, there's 80 kids that really in a state, not fed, and the orphanage is in disarray. And anyway, so they really feel they can't, they can't abandon these children. So they start to look after the, the kids. Uh, and it was tough. I mean, there was, um, even later on, there was multiple death threats. They, there was time where they were kicked out of promises. There was time where even the government... Uh, came and actually stole their food supply uh, and they were left not knowing how to to feed the kids but always mirac miraculously God provided there are stories where uh, one day uh, a lorry arrived full of food and they did, still don't know where they came from who was the guy who, who, who drove but he just said where is the orphanage, where can I put the food here's the food Left. Like he was an angel, literally. They never knew what happened, but the food came. There was there's stories after stories of multiplication where literally they have four chicken but feed 300 kids on it and they still don't know how. You know, uh, there's stories after stories. Okay, and this is really where she becomes Mama Haida, you know, uh, the uh, mom to those kids. Okay, now in '96, Heidi becomes even. Uh, quite sick with tuber tuberculosis and pneumonia. And really, just she's exhausted, really exhausted. You can imagine, it's just quite a demanding lifestyle. So uh, Roland and her decide to go to Toronto. And I would say this is the, the second part, I would say, of their life. There, they have encounters with God that changes everything in their lives. Everything, the way they relate to God, the way they do ministry, they're really so deeply impacted by the presence of God. The first of this encounter, uh, Heidi has a vision, and Jesus showed her thousands of children to feed. And at first she's a little bit like, God, I, I don't think children are my call. <laughs> I don't think I'm, that children are my call. So she's like a bit overwhelmed, and but Jesus said, you know, feed those children. And she says to Jesus, Sorry, but it's impossible. There are too many in the vision. But Jesus said, No, look, there's always enough because I died. And she has this vision of Jesus saying, Look into my eye. I will give them something to eat. Mm. And he takes pieces of his body, literally, and say, Pass it on. And as Heidi take the piece of the Jesus' body, he transforms in bread. And he says to her, Drink. The cup of suffering and joy, which is my blood. And so Heidi takes the cup and it really feels like sweet wine. And she passes it on to the children and it multiplies. And all the kids are fed by Jesus. When she comes back from the vision, she's completely healed wow. of the pneumonia. She's completely ill of the other sicknesses I told you before that I can't remember just now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she had pain and everything. 
Um, you know, it, it's just an encounter with God who is amazing. So they do several trips to Toronto, and there's another trip, uh, a famous trip that he made to Toronto, and Randy Clark is preaching at that point to, you know, who is going to... Who is going to love God? Who is going to come and serve God? Who is hungry? And uh, Heidi really literally ran mid-preach, you know, in this big conference hall. Mid-preach, she ran. She's, yes! And she ran and she threw herself at the altar, <laughs> literally. And Randy stopped uh, preaching and, and prophesy and say, you know, the nation of Mozambique is yours. Amen. Is yours. Amen. And you will see the deaf here. The lame will walk. The blind will see and the poor will receive good news. Mm. She prophesied her and she knows it's, it's, a, it's a prophecy for now. It's hers. It's hers. And the, the glory of God f- uh, fell, fell on Heidi so powerfully she was actually unable to move for seven days. Mm. She was to be carried around. Okay? And Roland had to help her. Literally, people were asking Roland, is your wife crippled? Because they, they didn't understand. Um, and through that, she was quite embarrassed, and she keeps saying to God, "Oh God, what was going on? You know, I'm dying here. It's not me. Why, why am I not moving? I can't move. I can't go to the toilet for myself. What are you doing?" And God said, "It's good. It's good you die because I want you dead. You need to depend on me. Amen. You need to depend on me." So that was the big lesson that she learned. Those encounters marked a deep turning point into the Baker's ministry, mm. where really they learn to encounter God's presence and do everything out of intimacy with God, depending on, on, uh, on Him only. And we could see in the ministry there's a turning point as well in how the fruit will come. Because it's not that they didn't have fruit before. But suddenly there's a multiplication of fruit. It becomes easier. There's supernatural provision that are made for them in even greater measure. The stories of food multiplication increase. The, the story of healing and miracle increase. The way that people are touched by their ministry increases in such a measure that they know it's not them. It's Jesus through them. Yeah? Actually, in, in the last 20 years, so Iris Global's operation have expanded in such a way. So now they do well drilling, free health clinic, village feeding, pro- feeding program. They have primary school, they have secondary school, they're building a university. Uh, they have cottage industry, they have funded out of their ministry 5,000 to 6,000 churches in Mozambique. They, they uh, have a total of 10,000 Iris affiliated churches in more than 20 nations and their ministries is really known uh, for reporting miracles all over the place. Right now they're feeding more than 10,000 orphans in Mozambique. And 10,000 more orphans all over the world. And their vision is to feed a million of orphans. So can you see the shift there and you know in the pressing of God you know, that God actually blessed them with many, many fruit. Now, I'm on pressing into promises. This is very interesting because, you see, we could read that and say, okay, oh, wow, that's amazing. I want an encounter like that. And you know, Randy Clark going, yeah, the lame, you know, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the poor will receive good news. Okay? 
And you know, Heidi comes back to Mozambique and she has these promises from God. But it didn't come easy at all. She had to press through to walk in the promises. And the battles were still there. And there was still some sacrifice. And there was still some suffering. So, for example, as soon as they come back from uh, Toronto, so at that point, they come back from Toronto, you know, that's the point there. There's only 300 orphans, okay, in the orphanage. Okay? And immediately they face hardship. Actually, that's the point where the government takes the orphanage off of them and they're suddenly homeless with 300 kids. Even they come back and Roland and one of her kids, I can't remember which one, suffer from malaria straight away. And Heidi developed uh, multiple sclerosis. And uh, can you imagine? So you come back, you have these amazing promises. You are going to be the mother of Mozambique. You are going to be a mother for this nation. And it hits them. They come back. In this context, Heidi had to through and trust in God. So for more, like for example, I'm going to give you the uh, one example. Pressing into the miraculous for healing. For one year, she prays for every plant she can find. And she sees nothing. No miracle. One entire <coughs> year, she makes a duty to week after week, week after week, to try to see some miracle and pray for the sick. Nothing much. Now, one day, she prays for a little old lady and suddenly, that lady sees. And everybody in the village says, Mama Aida can see. Mama Aida can see. So I did it. That's my name. It, it turned out that this old lady, her name is also Mama Aida. So she said, oh, okay, that's curious, but okay. Now, the second day, she goes into another village doing some evangelism. And again, she said, bring me the blind, bring me, you know. And prays for another lady that the villagers have brought to her. And guess what? This lady suddenly can see. And guess what the name of the lady is? Mama Haida. Okay. Interesting. So she walks through, she's really deeply encouraged, you can imagine. That's the second breakthrough after a year of battle, just to see that one promise from God. Um, so she goes to another place, okay? And then at this time she's in the city, and a beggar lady comes forward and says she wants to be healed. And again, highly pray. And guess what? That lady can, can, can see. You know, and everybody rejoices, outrageously, shouting, Mama Haida can see! Mama Haida can see! So, three times in a row she thinks, God, you are to something. So, uh, God, why are you telling me? This is too bizarre. And God tells her, Yes, Heidi, you were blind too, and now you see. And suddenly, she gets this download from God, say, Yeah. This is not enough for you to just take care of the poor as in Africa. You know, in the West, you mustn't. Because um, she was snubbing a bit the Western country and saying, no, they don't need me. I, I won't share my experience there. I'm not going there. And God said, you, you are blind. See that the Western country, they need you too. Because 
Maybe they're not poor in terms of, you know, riches, but they're poor in their spirit. And you have a message to bring as well to them. Whoa! I mean, that was just such an amazing encounter. And now, uh, what is interesting is uh, praying for the sick is actually one of the main way Heidi uh, evangelized villages in Africa. So she would go into all sorts of places, places sometimes they never heard of the name of Jesus. But instead of going straight to the cross, Jesus, la la la, you know, the good theology, and try to convince them, she doesn't do that. She comes and says, bring me the blind, bring me the deaf, you know, bring me the cripple, and basically she prays for them. And when they are healed, she said, would you like to know who is the God who healed these people? So, of course, people say, yeah, of course. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And she brings Jesus. Which I think it's remarkable because how often do we want to convince people about Jesus? All we need is to represent Jesus to them. Be Jesus for them. Pray. Ask for supernatural breakthrough for them. Love them. And we will see they will eventually meet Jesus. Right? Okay. So let me leave you a little bit about the core, which is really uh, um, at um, the message of Heidi. There's really three things that summarize Heidi's message. And if you read books about her, those, those would be what you find in her books. The first message is the intimacy and the surrender to Jesus. And basically, all is really all about Jesus and being connected to Jesus. This woman has got a PhD in theology. She could wow us with knowledge. If you go, and I encourage you to do it, go home, tap on YouTube, Heidi Becker, and look at a message of Heidi Becker. Well, it's quite, it's quite disarming. Because what you see is a woman, very simple, coming, kneeling down, and start by worshipping Jesus. She worships, she connects with God. She brings her God to the table. And basically, once she is surrounded to God, ask Holy Spirit to come. Her message is always simple. Always simple. You know, in her life, that's what matters the most to her, is actually knowing Jesus, loving Him well, loving people well, representing Jesus well. She spent hours in the presence of God. And she never tries to blow people's mind with her knowledge. But she brings them to the presence of God. That's what she tries. So intimacy and the surrender to Jesus is really the, the core value of everything that Heidi does. The other thing, which is a core value of what she does, and obviously because of that first theme, is that she's convinced that love is always an action. And that we are all, all of us, called to change the world by stopping for the one. Stopping the one in front of us and loving that person in front of us. This is really a core message for us. So, uh, like I was saying, it's not just the poor, like the homeless person in the street. Sometimes it's the poor in spirit. 
the people who hurt, the people who uh, just have this hunger, the people who are lost, the people who, you know. She often say, in one sense, Mozambique is really blessed because the poor truly know they are poor and they need God. But in the West, the poor don't necessarily know they are poor. And they don't look for God for solution. They look for other things first. Until they come to God. Okay? And I think it's really profound because if you think about our society, you know, how all the problem of people um, disconnected, uh, not having a mom and dad, you know, have fatherless issues, uh, rejection issues, you know, looking for love in the wrong places. Uh, you know, we need to love those people and bring them Jesus. So, love is always in action. Okay, and we are all to stop for the one. Stop for the one in front of us, the one we see that need. Okay, actually, um, I was talking about uh, Heidi with a uh, a cousin of mine who knows Hardy Becker, which interestingly, <laughs> and he was telling me when she comes to France, you never know what's going to happen on a trip with Heidi because if she's on the way to the airport and she's already running late, but she decides to put petrol in the car and the person at the cash point is actually the one in front, she will spend time the one in front. And you know, uh, he has many stories of you know, she should have missed the plane, but she doesn't miss the plane. And even as she's boarding the plane, you know, she prophesied on the hostess and somehow the hostess life is completely changed. And you know, always the one in front of her. Always the one in front of her. Interesting life. <laughs> right. The third point, which is there, and sometimes we neglect that point because frankly it's hard to hear. And the point is we mustn't be afraid to suffer. Because with suffering, there's incredible joy that can come as well. Okay? You see, there's no deny. In all of these, there's sacrifices. There's sacrifice. Because when you stop, it costs you. When you stop suddenly, you look at the needs of another one rather than looking at your own need. There is a sacrifice. And um, there is sacrifice to love the poor. Uh, Heidi has this sentence which I think is really profound. She said, God is looking for lay-down lovers. People who love him so much that they will lay down their life for him. People who love Jesus so much that they will be willing to sacrifice everything. So there is, it's it's not deniable, it's in the Bible, there is a dying to self. And there's a living for Jesus. And there won't be any, I'm going to change the world without sacrifice. It's just true. But it's knowing how to do it from intimacy. It's knowing how to do it connected to God who who gives you incredible joy and resources and hope hope in the midst. So in the midst of the sacrifice, in the midst of the suffering, there still can be hope. There can be joy. There could be incredible rewards. Okay? Because when you see people transform, it's so rewarding. When you see the power of the gospel in action, it's so powerful. Yeah? So to not be afraid of the suffering, because God is there. God is there in the midst. So let me conclude. It's so easy to be humble by Heidi's testimony. Okay? And think, wow, 
I do Becca up there on a pedestal, okay, with Mother Teresa and so amazing people. We are so powerful. And I'm there. Okay, there's no way. There's no way. Okay, I'm like Heidi Baker. That's true. We are not meant to live in comparison anyway. So do not come out of this and say, I mustn't be, I must be Heidi Baker. I must have a meaningful life like Heidi Baker. No, because we are not meant to live in comparison. Seek God. What is, what is the will of God for your life? What are the promises for your life? Okay? That's what matters. That's obedience to what God is telling you that matters. That's where, we, that, that's where you will have your biggest reward. Okay? And actually, uh, the other reaction we could have is, Oh God, please help. Please help. I don't like suffering. I can't suffer. No? I mean, I'm reading that and thinking, there's no way I'm going to Africa. It's too hot. I can't sleep on the floor. You know? You, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, you could really suddenly sweat and thinking, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not able to go for that. I would never be able to. But you have to remember, if God calls you to do something, He gives you the grace that you need for what He has called you. So you mustn't come out of this and say, compare yourself, try to be like that person, or be afraid, you know. And I don't believe that God would call you to the things you don't like. You know, some people say, oh, do not say, I'm not going to go to Africa because then God will send you to Africa. <laughs> or I'm not going to go to, you know, name a place. And because I don't, God is not a cruel God. You know, if it's his will to send you, if he can change you as well, okay. And sometimes you do things, okay, I was never felt, I never felt particularly fond of England before I came. <laughs> Actually, t to tell you a little story, when I was 19, my best friend married an English guy who was in the army, and they went, so they went first to live in, uh, in Germany, and then they went to England. And honestly, I said to her the day of her wedding, I said, oh my gosh, I do not know what you are doing. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. I told her to her face, this is crazy. I mean, you, you're not going to even live in France. You've never even traveled. Why are you doing this? I could never do this. <laughs> I was 19 at the time. Um, but, you know, uh, and I'm carrying on my life. And age 25, I'm a Jimmy. <laughs> and honestly, it was not hard. It was not hard to, to move to England because at that point I was ready. I know it was the call of God for my life. I knew actually I was called to, to leave my, my country anyway at that point. Uh, and everything fell into place. And grace was given. It was not always easy, but grace was given for it. You see what I'm saying? So don't worry about that. Now, the thing that is for sure is we are all called, all called to make a difference by loving the one in front of us. That is what is to be a Christian. Because to be a Christian is to love Jesus with all our heart, love ourselves, and love our neighbor. So our neighbor is literally the one in front of us. So we follow him and we love others. Okay. So let me leave you with this question. What does love look like for you? 
Are you able to stop for the one in your context, in your situation? Today is Mother's Day. I remember when I was a mom with small kids, thinking, oh my gosh, I've got this call of God here. And I've got to change nappy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and if I'm really honest, you know, I was not one of these moms who really, really loved babies. You know, I love babies. <laughs> you know, I never loved the, the babies of others anyway. But my babies, I love them. I love them. But really, you know, to say, please talk sometimes. You know, that was my prayer. You, you, know, you get me, right? Everybody's different. You know? And, but if it's your circumstance, can you stop for loving your own child? So when you're in, in that season, and yeah, you have these big promises, in that season, stopping for loving the one is, actually, right now, I'm stopping and loving this amazing child. Who knows? This might be Heidi Becker. Who knows? It could be Barack Obama that I'm bringing on. But you don't know, you know, what, who, what child, you know, you have. So you put everything, you, you, you love that child. You put everything in that child. Or you, at the moment, you might be teaching. Oh, well, every day you've got classes in front of you. What does it look like for loving the people in front of you every day? Uh, you might be working in the hospital. You have patients. What does it look like to love your patient every day? What does it look like when you commute every day and maybe you see someone, you know, who, who, who is in a dis desperate situation? What can you do to love the one? What does it mean to love in action in whatever circumstances you are in? Stop for the one and press through for the promises. So if God speaks to you about something else that you are not yet seeing, press through and start to think, Okay, what is my step? Jesus, show me what is my step. That, what is it I can do next to enter those promises and carry on pressing for them? Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen.